Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. Despite being one of the most widespread, persistent, and devastating human rights violations in our world today, violence against women and girls remains largely unreported due to impunity, silence, stigma, and shame and in some cases, maladministration and negligence by the police and or other authorities in specific countries. According to UN.org, violence against women and girls manifests itself in one of the following forms. Intimate partner violence, sexual violence and harassment, human trafficking, female genital mutilation, and child marriage. In spite of the fact that gender-based violence can happen to anyone, anywhere, there are some specific women and girls who are especially vulnerable, for instance young girls and older women, migrants, some members of the LGBTQIA community, refugees, indigenous women, ethnic minorities and others. Indigenous women are also at high risk of violence. In June 2022, UN Special Rapporteur on Violence Against Women had this to say about indigenous women. Quote, indigenous women and girls face very grave, systematic, and continuous acts of violence that permeate every aspect of their lives while perpetrators enjoy alarming levels of impunity. End quote. For this year's International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women and Children, we remember the suffering of indigenous Herero and Nama women at the hands of German colonists. We spoke to Sima Leipert from Namibia about how violence from the past can lead to intergenerational trauma. Thank you very much for asking for this interview. My name is Sima Leipert. Um, I'm from the indigenous um, Nama community in, in southern Namibia. Um, yeah, I professionally, I work as a development practitioner. I'm the development director for the Hardap Regional Council. Um, but I was also asked by the Nama leaders who, you know, Nama people stay in most of the region in which I work. So, yeah, I was requested by them to support them and to advise them on issues around reparations and restorative justice for for the genocide committed against the Nama people. So, yeah, I do that on a voluntary basis, um, just in a, you know, advisory capacity, um, as not only as a as Nama woman, but also because development issue, you know, genocide is at the core of um, persistent poverty in the region that I work and and that is one of my motivations, that you cannot look at prosperity and building people's livelihoods without understanding the historical background of the community within which you work. So that's basically my, my background. My, my great-grandmother, I never really knew her. Um, I was very young. 
um, I think she must have passed away when I was maybe around nine or ten years old. Um, but yeah, we we used to visit our grandmother quite often, and she stayed with my grandmother. And uh, I found her to be a very secluded woman. Um, she wasn't. It almost felt to me at the time that she didn't like children. But it is only, you know, when I started thinking through the stories that our grandmother used to tell us at that time that I started to understand um, that this was a woman who was very traumatized. My my great-grandmother survived Shark Island. Um, we we heard this through, through bedtime stories of my grandmother. Um, she was then taken to an area in Karibib. My grandmother always used to talk about Karibib. And so I thought, you know, they were taken to Karibib itself. But I, once I started reading, I found out that she was actually taken to a slave labor camp um, called Okawayo near, near Karibib. And it is from here that um, my great-grandmother was rented out as a slave um, to the new sort of German settlers while people were in the extermination camps um, around 1905-1906 Germany um, declared certain legal instruments, ordinances that were used to expropriate all the land of the Nama people and the new German settlers were settled on this land and so when Shark Island extermination camp was closed the prisoners were taken to slave labor camps and from here they were rented out by the German administration to the settlers. The settlers paid the wages to the administration um, and not to the slaves. And this is also how my grandmother was born to the German settler um, to whom my great-grandmother was, was rented out. Um, yeah, um, we always used to wonder why my grandmother had straight hair um, and she would often say it's not for children to know but then later she opened up and said I'm the child of a German um, to whom my mother was was rented out um, she never knew her father um, yeah she never knew her father and uh, that's my story I guess Any, every act of violence that you can ever imagine, um, you know, happened to them. I mean, um, my, my great-grandmother was subjected to scraping of skulls. Um, when the women were at Shark Island concentration camp, um, it was the women who had to, who were brought the heads um, of as little children, as, as, you know, even infant babies um, who were brought these heads and they had to go through this very traumatizing um, experience of taking the flesh of these, of these heads. They had to take out the eyes. They had to take out the brains. They had to take, they had to take off the hair, just 
everything um, so that these skulls would then be polished and put into boxes and shipped to, to Germany and to other institutions for racial sciences. Now, I don't know what kind of violence, you know, one can imagine more than having to completely scrape the skull of your own family members. This is what was happening at Shark Island. The women were subjected to sterilization or sterilization. They were subjected to rape. They were subjected to flogging. They, I mean, you know, it's it's just unimaginable the horror that, that they went through. Um, I see a lot of self-inflicted violence in our communities, self-inflicted violence through alcohol abuse, through drug abuse, through child neglect, um, extreme, extreme levels of poverty, um, very little sense of integrity, almost hopelessness, um, as if every dream has been shattered. I see that a lot around me. Um, I see a lot of, I see a lot of also sort of a sense of wanting to protect yourself um, from any external danger. I also sense that quite a bit um, through, and, and this protection, self-protection is through extreme forms of aggression. Um, yeah, that is, that is what I see, almost as if people are caught in a vicious, in a very vicious cycle of self-destruction, not knowing really how to come out of it. Um, and I think at the bottom of this is because we don't understand where this comes from. We don't understand we are ignorant of our own history and what this history has done to us. You must remember that um, when people were put into concentration camps, all the land was taken. And when they were finally released, um, especially after 1915, when the, when the British came in, um, these people were put into native reserves. And the purpose of these native reserves were to keep them as a cheap labor pool where they could not come out of poverty, but just survive. And since then, it seems to me that many Nama communities have become so used to just trying to survive. Um, because and it, it is almost as if they have ex accepted that this is their fate without even understanding how they ended up in, in, in these native reserves. And these native reserves have become breeding grounds of self-destruction, unfortunately. And by doing the work, by doing the work that we are that we are doing through advocacy, 
um, we try to make people aware of, of who they are and just, you know, sort of renew the sense of, you know, identity and, and integrity. That is, yeah, that is what we do. With that. that is what at least we try to do. But it's very difficult to to undo so much trauma. You know, it's going to take a, 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 a lot of effort and a lot of focused effort. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter.